Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Welcome to episode 74 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Uh, Ben, eight days. I picked a very bad time to uh, get busy with a lot of just, I've been working like every day this week over the past like two weeks. So it's been really crazy. I picked a really bad time to to ghost y'all, especially with, you know, just all the NBA free agency stuff going on ton of signings um and i initially started you know reacting to some things on like on my facebook page and a a post went wrong where like the post i shared and commented on was like when i shared it it showed up as a completely different post and my friend told me about it and i was like whoa what the heck is this so i had to take that down and something was wrong with that um but Really, I picked a bad time to kind of ghost y'all because there just has so much NBA free agency craziness going on. Um, just absolutely wild. Um, I think the first done deal that we that we knew about before the start of free agency it wasn't necessarily a done deal because you know, obviously you can't um, sign anything before free agency starts, but the one free agent signing that we heard was basically basically as soon as free agency opened it was going to be a done deal was Kemba Walker uh, he signed a max deal with the Boston Celtics and he's leaving Charlotte he's leaving that potential super max opportunity which the Charlotte Hornets actually didn't want to offer him that which is kind of surprising considering they have no stars there whatsoever um, and I'm surprised they didn't want to keep their only star but the Celtics Boy, did like Danny Ainge had a huge plan for the Celtics. His plan years ago, when he started this rebuild, um, with those picks he got from the Nets, he ended up flipping some of that to get Kyrie Irving. His plan was to uh, either trade for or maybe sign Anthony Davis. Um, that was his plan, and then he ended up getting Gordon Hayward. His plan, and he had Al Horford as well. He his plan was to have Kyrie Hayward, Horford, and Anthony Davis on the same squad together, um, and that has all completely fell flat because now only one of those guys is left on the roster. Al Horford opted out, and he said he wasn't going to resign. Kyrie Irving, he said a while ago that he didn't want to return, or he made that clear, and. They ended up losing Kyrie. You get you bring in Kemba Walker, which you could argue is a step down from Kyrie Irving as far as just skill and playing ability. Um, although they had very similar numbers last year, you could argue that Kyrie is a far better offensive talent. Um, but you also could argue that Kemba may possibly be a better fit and a better teammate um, and just a more positive. A player in that locker room um, because it felt like Kyrie was kind of abrasive, wasn't a great teammate, tried to be a leader, but just wasn't a great natural leader. Kemba Walker leading his own team in Charlotte with no other stars around him, I feel like could be a better fit leadership wise in the locker room, although he's a lesser player to Kyrie. So I really don't see that as much of a uh, subtraction there. It may be a slight subtraction, but I think you're gaining so much more in leadership 
um, an experience. I mean, he is a couple years older than Kyrie. So I don't think that that's necessarily the biggest deal in the world. If you want to say that that's breaking even or maybe even a little above, I would agree with you. Um, but they did lose Al Horford, who was the guy they ran a lot of their offense through. He's one of the best passing big men in the league, one of the best leaders in the league. We're just one of the best grown men out there. Um, and you lost a very quality, quality player. Huge influence in the locker room. You lose him and you replace him with Ennis Canner, who is a very skilled offensive player, but just doesn't rise to the level of Al Horford. Al Horford has been so consistently good for so long. His years in Atlanta, then in Boston. Um, Ennis Canner had a great run in Portland. He's had a great run on a lot of teams. Uh, and he's been highly productive offensively. He's a great rebounder. Um, obviously, he doesn't rise to the level of um, Al Horford, but he's still a, he's about as good as about as good as an acquisition as you can get, uh, given you know what was left on the free agent market. Um, but if you were to ask me what this situation is is like. For the Celtics right now, I would say it's a train wreck. I would say it's a complete disaster. Um, because you forced you forced Kyrie out. A year ago, Kyrie said he was going to resign. And over the course of a year, he's, he's gone now. He's completely done. It seems like Brad Stevens has favoritism towards Gordon Hayward, which isn't great. Um, and then you lose possibly your most valuable player on the team in Al Horford. Um, and yes, your team doesn't look bad, but considering what your plan was, your plan was to have Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Al Horford. If they were going to acquire Anthony Davis in a trade, they may have had to trade Gordon Hayward. Um, but you had Jason Tatum, um, Jalen Brown very quite possibly could have been shipped to get Anthony Davis. But basically your plan was to have uh Kyrie, Anthony Davis, and Al Horford, and that's not what it turned out to be. Uh, at all. So if you ask me what the situation is like for the Celtics, it's a complete downward spiral from where they wanted to be, and I think it's a train wreck. Um Quite possibly the biggest news of free agency uh, was whether or not KD and Kyrie were going to team up. Um, and they did, in fact, link up. They got together. They're going to Brooklyn. They are going to the Brooklyn Nets, and they're bringing along um, another very good player with them, DeAndre Jordan. Um, both KD and Kyrie are going to take less than the max in order to pay DeAndre Jordan what he's worth. I believe DeAndre Jordan's. Four years, forty million. Katie and Kyrie are four years, one hundred and sixty plus million. Kyrie is one hundred and forty plus million. Um, very, uh, very. Gr- this is great for Brooklyn, um, and it's very bad for the other New York team, the New York Knicks, um, Brooklyn. Five years ago, they had very bad management in place. They had guys in that front office who thought it was a great idea to trade 
basically mortgage five years of their future to get two old and aging stars in Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and they got Jason Terry uh, in order to win now. And I think they ended up making the playoffs once, but they mortgaged five five years of their future. Um, and now looking at where they're at now, they've got Kyrie Irving. They'll have Kevin Durant, um, not this year because of the injury, but they'll have Kevin Durant next year. Um, DeAndre Jordan is going to start at center. And then you've got guys like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. That was a huge thunderclap. Um, but anyways, uh, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, very solid quality young players. I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a very, they're going to be a good team next year. They're going to be a great team uh, in 2020, 2021. Um, and they're probably going to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so that's great for them. And if you'd, if you'd asked me five years ago if the Brooklyn Nets were going to be in a p- better position than 95% of the teams in the league, I would have laughed because they, they gave away their future and they were able to kind of turn the soil over and in the front office. And they're, it's crazy to think that they're in a better position now than the Boston Celtics. And the Boston Celtics are the ones who benefited from that trade. It's pretty incredible to me. Um, but I do think this is actually really interesting because I think if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, these two players are on the Knicks right now. And DeAndre Jordan re-signs with the Knicks because DeAndre Jordan was with the Knicks at the end of the season last year. I think if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, he resigns. Uh, there was a report that came out that the Knicks, they were hesitant to offer Kevin Durant the max uh, because of the injury, because of what happened in years past with guys like Amari Stoudemire, Carmelo Anthony. Um, they traded away Kristaps Porzingis because of his ACL injury. They didn't want to take a risk. I think it would have been well worth the risk. Um, but of course, I guess we don't know. Um, but the idea that people think, oh, the Knicks didn't get KD because they didn't offer him the max, that's a ridiculous argument because he's taking less than the max in Brooklyn. I think. I think KD wanted to go to New York all along. I think that's where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to the Knicks. Um, And I think they were both initially on board, him and Kyrie. But when the injury occurred, all the leverage went to Kyrie in the situation. Kyrie's from Brooklyn. Brooklyn was his favorite team growing up. And when you're injured and you're going to be out for a whole year, you kind of don't have any leverage as far as recruiting. Um, And so... You could either return to Golden State and go after a, uh, well, actually, you'd be rehabbing for a year, and then you could keep that team together and go after another chip, or you could link up with one of your best buds in Kyrie and and go to Brooklyn. And I think that was his next, that was his next best option was Brooklyn. Um, and I think 
Brooklyn is a better situation anyways because it's a much better front office. I think it's a much better front office situation um, there in Brooklyn than it is in New York. But I think if you give the Nets a year, I think they're going to be a great team. They'll be the best team in the East um, once you give KD some time to kind of get reacclimated to the game. They'll be really, really good for years to come. Um, and a lot of people are bashing the Knicks for not offering the max. Myself included, I think the Knicks absolutely should have offered him the max. Um, but I don't think it would have changed anything because of the injury. I think Kyrie had all the leverage in the situation. So I don't really think it's the Knicks' fault because I don't think they were getting them anyways. Um, but the Knicks, they did pick up some solid players. Albeit they're not stars, but you're picking up solid players. They got Julius Randle, um, Bobby Portis, Wayne Ellington. Um, they got Reggie Bullock. So, I mean, they picked up some shooters and some quality big men. Uh, and they have RJ Barrett. They're going to be rolling out a roster, uh, a starting five, probably Dennis Smith Jr. at the one, RJ Barrett at the two, Kevin Knox at the three, Julius Randle at the four. And then they they picked up Taj Gibson and well, maybe you put Taj Gibson at the five. That's not a terrible lineup. I don't think so. Um, is it one of the better in the East? No. Is it middle of the pack? Probably not, but I think it's solid enough to at least, you know, not be a dumpster fire. I think the front office is a dumpster fire, but I don't think the team is going to be a dumpster fire. Uh, I think RJ Barrett is going to flourish with the Knicks and he's going to light the world on fire. Um, and if he lights the world on fire enough, he just might put the Knicks in, uh, in contention for like an eighth seed in the playoffs, potentially. Um, but they whiff. They're signing guys to shorter-term deals. Maybe they can go out to some free agents here in a couple years. Um, but it's crazy just how much an injury can just shift the entire balance of power in the NBA. Two stars could have went to one team. An injury happens. They go to a completely different team. I've never seen that before. Um, that's pretty incredible to think that the Knicks, they didn't even have a chance because of the injury. Even if they would have offered the max, even if they were completely willing, they would not have had a chance. That's the unfortunate truth that I don't think a lot of people want to admit. Um, Jimmy Butler, I predicted for a while that, you know, he, that was my main prediction for him, was he's going to re-sign in Philadelphia. They were going to offer him the max. They were going to roll with him and potentially move off of Tobias Harris and the opposite happened. They didn't want to hand the keys to Jimmy Butler. They felt like that was a bad situation. And so they offered Tobias Harris, I believe is like 10 million less than the max. Um, so he's getting a lot of money and they're going to roll with him. They also brought in Al Horford from the Celtics. Um, and then Jimmy Butler, they traded him. It was, they did a sign-and-trade with the Miami Heat. I think the Mavericks got involved. Portland got involved. It was like a four-team trade. And Jimmy Butler is going to the Miami Heat on a max contract. Um, and then the Sixers are getting Josh Richardson in return. 
So the Sixers, I actually think, got better. They got more value. They they signed Al Horford to a near max deal. They they brought in Josh Richardson, who's a nice young player, shooter, and then you allow Tobias Harris to have an increased role. So you're going to be rolling out there with Ben Simmons at the one, Josh Richardson at the two, Tobias Harris at the three, Al Horford at the four, and Joel Embiid at the five. I think that's a far better lineup than they had last year, and I actually really like the direction that the Philadelphia 76ers are going in. Uh, Al Horford is a little older. He's making a lot more money, but I think the direction is far better. I think Al Horford can be a great mentor to Joel Embiid. Um, I really, really love the direction that the Philadelphia 76ers are going in. Uh, and I think it's, I think, um, Barring what else happens in free agency, which we'll get to later, I think the Sixers potentially have the best starting five in the Eastern Conference um, and could potentially be the best team in the East next season. Doesn't mean they'll win the chip. I don't I'm not necessarily saying they'll win the chip or they'll get to the finals, but just on paper to start the year, to me they would have one of, if not the best roster. Um, the only thing that they lost is they lost JJ Redick, who's potentially the third best shooter in the league behind Steph and clay. Um, tremendous off the catch off screens on the move. He's probably the best in the league at that better than clay. I would say, um, so they lost him to the New Orleans Pelicans, which is huge for the Pelicans. It's probably an even bigger deal for the Sixers. So that's a loss, but you're bringing in a younger player in Josh Richardson. Um, it's a it's a subtraction, but I don't think it's a long term. It's not necessarily a bad thing, and I think they'll be fine. Um, and them getting the Pelicans getting JJ Redick, I think, makes them a really exciting team next year because they're going to be potentially rolling out a starting five. Um, they have Drew Holiday and Lonzo. I don't know who they're going to want to start, but JJ Reddick's going to be at the two. Um, Brandon Ingram at the three. You'll have Zion Williamson uh, at the four. And then at the five, uh, they drafted a guy. I forget his name, um, but that's probably who they're going to go with unless they want to go smaller and put Zion at the five. He's only about six seven though, so it'd be like a Warriors death lineup kind of thing where you maybe you start Lonzo and Drew, JJ at the three, Brandon Ingram at the four, Zion at the five. I wouldn't do that. That's way too small of a lineup. Um, but that's an option. I still think they're they're really interesting, nonetheless. Um and then probably the most this is probably the most surprising transaction. Um so with Katie and Kyrie going to the Nets. Um, that meant that D'Angelo Russell would have to be let go. They would he would have to renounce they would have to renounce him because he is a restricted free agent, and then he would become unrestricted. Well, what the Warriors and the Nets decided to do was a sign and trade. So basically the Warriors signed KD, the Nets uh, signed D'Angelo Russell, sign and trade. And D'Angelo Russell is heading to Golden State on a four-year max deal. 
Um, so that's shocking to me because I thought that D'Angelo Russell all the way was Lakers um, or Timberwolves. Timberwolves was probably those two teams were probably most likely Phoenix Suns. I thought was would have been a tremendous fit, um, but the Warriors got involved and they got D'Angelo Russell, um, and he'll start with Steph because um, Clay was going Clay's going to be out for most of the regular season. I I think this makes the Warriors far more interesting. A lot of people think that this is a desperation move. Uh, I don't necessarily think so. I think this is just smart. Any player that plays with Steph Curry on the court is automatically a great fit. Doesn't matter. Just give them a week and they'll be a great fit. D'Angelo Russell shoots 39% uh, on catch and shoot threes. That's just 1% off of Klay Thompson. Um, but also what I think this allows the Warriors to do is it allows Steph Curry to be off the ball a lot more. He's probably the best in the game at moving off of screens, just running around tirelessly, wearing out his opponent, his, def- his defender and, and their opponents. He just runs around everywhere. And so I think you will, it allows D'Angelo to be on ball a lot more. He runs the offense, runs the point. And Steph Curry can just run around and be free. I think it's a tremendous fit. And when Clay Thompson comes back, I think you start all three. I think you put, uh, basically, you're going to act as if D'Angelo Russell's the one, Steph Curry's the two, and then you put Clay Thompson at the three, Draymond at the four, um, and then probably Kevon Looney at the five because they're not going to re sign Boogie. The only issue with this is that in order for the Warriors to uh, get D'Lo, it wasn't just about, you know, just signing and trading Kevin Durant and bringing in D'Lo. They had to move off a very important player on their team in order to free up the cap space, and they traded away Andre Iguodala to the Memphis Grizzlies. (sighs) Steph Curry is probably the most important player on that team, and then it's Andre Iguodala. And now he's gone. And I think that's very (sighs) disrespectful to trade Andre Iguodala away like that. Because when you brought him in, you asked him to take a lesser role. You know, when he came in, be a sixth man, be a great leader in the locker room. And now... You know, he he made all these sacrifices for you. He was an excellent defender. He guarded your best player every night. Sacrificed minutes. Sacrificed probably more money than he than he should have. And then you just kind of trade him away to bring in an, a young star. Um, I I think I would have rather just keep Iguodala. Maybe bring in some lesser free agents to build up the bench. And you roll out with that squad, then bringing in D'Angelo Russell. Because um, if you remember the Warriors back in 2016, 2015, 2016, when they first started their run, they had a great bench, and then it was just Steph Clay and Dre um, on the uh, in the starting lineup, and then you had Iggy coming in off the bench, um, and occasionally he started. 
that that's what worked for the Warriors. And now I think they've become a little too star driven. And I don't know. But I still think this makes them really good. I think it's going to add another dynamic player to their offense. They're still going to be a great team, and I wouldn't count them out. They're not going to win the title next year, I don't think. They're still going to be one of the four best teams in the West, and I think in two years, they'll be back in the conversation for NBA Finals, winning another chip. I wouldn't count them out. The dynasty is over, but they'll be back. It won't be another dynasty, but they will win another championship before it's all said and done. Um, Now, whether or not they keep D'Angelo Russell past this season or not, um, that's another question because they said that they plan on trading him, um, using him as a trade piece to bring in other pieces, um, which would be smart. I think if you can flip a player going into his prime for tremendous role players to fill out the bench and have solid fourth and fifth starters then i think i'm all i'm all for that um it's going to be interesting to see what they do i'm really i'm pretty excited to see exactly what they decide to do and just how it shakes out for them now probably the biggest free agent of them all this year has yet to make a decision um Kawhi Leonard, finals MVP, wins Canada's first championship, uh, first basketball championship, and the Toronto Raptors' first championship, has not decided if he wants to re-sign, if he wants to join the LA Lakers, or if he wants to join the LA Clippers. Free agency opened like six days ago, (laughs) and he's met with all the teams, And he just hasn't decided yet. Um, Chris Carter is probably the one person of the media, one member of the media who is closest with the situation. And he's been straight up like Kawhi's really serious about this. He's not taking this lightly. He's not. um, He's not going to just make a decision on the fly. He's going to do what's best for him for him. And he's going to think real long and hard about it. And I think that's respectable. And he absolutely should do that. Um, it's crazy how long he's taken. I've been waiting, like we've all been on edge waiting for a decision for a long time. And I'm not sure if it's coming anytime soon. I'm not sure if he's going to flee the North or if he's going to stay or if he's going to join his favorite team growing up, the Lakers. Um, cause remember that's, that's originally where he wanted to go. Um, but I think all three teams are real players. They're real legitimate threats to sign him. And if they weren't, the decision would already have been made. I think the Lakers, in my mind, the Lakers are the top uh, of those three teams. Then it's Toronto. Then it's the Clippers. The only issue with the Lakers being the top team is... You know, Kawhi Leonard, he may not be able to join them if he doesn't make a decision really soon. And what I mean by that is the deal for Anthony Davis has not been completed yet. So um, 
until July 6th, which is tomorrow. That's when the deal is meant to go through. But if they wait, if it is delayed a few more days, I believe it's until Sunday. Um, the Lakers will actually not have the space to sign him because they will still have all those other players on their roster, technically. They'll still have Lonzo and B.I. and Josh Hart. Um, they'll still have all those players on their team, and they won't have the space available to sign Kawhi Leonard. Um, and that's why it's really, really important that Kawhi kind of gets this deal done now while the Lakers... Like, it's really weird. I'm not exactly sure how that's even really possible, but basically, if Kawhi, if Kawhi Leonard waits too long, um, the Pelicans may want to shift the date of the, the trade or whatever, and Kawhi Leonard may not be able to join the Lakers. It's really an interesting situation. I'm, I'm really not even sure how, like how it's even doable. I was reading something on it earlier, but you know this this weight by Kawhi Leonard, I think, has to start worrying the Lakers a, just a little bit. I think the the Lakers are. Did I say Warriors? I don't think I said Warriors. I meant Lakers if I said Warriors. But anyways, I think the Lakers, are they've got to start being worried. I think they're confident they're going to get him. But I think they're going to be more and more worried as the days go go by. Um, I really think there's going to be a decision tomorrow. Um, I, that's what I genuinely think. I think... I, I don't even know, to be honest with you. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, we've probably never seen a situation like this with a free agent where he's taken so long to make a decision and like everybody's just on edge, just waiting. Like, what is Kawhi Leonard going to do? Um, it's super, super interesting. Super excited to see what he decides to do because I think if he rejoins Toronto... They're still the the best team in the Eastern Conference because they, you know, they re-upped Marcus Gasol. They're going to bring back the same team. They're going to be the best in the East. If he joins the Clippers, I think they're one of the best in the West. Maybe not the best, but they'll be in contention for the championship um, with quality role players around them. And if he joins the Lakers, they're enormous favorites to win the title for the next four seasons. <laughs> uh, they're, that would be a loaded big three. You have Kyle Kuzma as well. That's basically a big four. Um, the only problem is the Lakers, they're not going to be able to fill out their roster with great free agents. Um, I think if they do get Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green will join the Lakers on the mid-level exception deal. Um, they'll bring back Rajon Rondo. They may bring back JaVale McGee. Um, and then they'll have to bring in guys like Trey Burke on the bench, um, and some other shooters. Uh, but that's, 
that's the risk you run when you decide that um, you want to sack, you basically want to wait for the big fish. Um, because a lot of names, a lot of quality names went off the board early, like J.J. Redick um, and, and other guys like that. Uh, Ricky Rubio would have been a solid point guard. Um, they lost a lot of those guys early um, by waiting for Kawhi Leonard. Now, we'll see if it's worth it or not here in a day or two when Kawhi finally makes his decision. Um, but the Lakers you know, could have had a very solid roster with a, a great bench and instead are going to have quite possibly the uh, weakest bench in the NBA and the potentially worst, like fifth starter um, just because of how much money they have. And that's the risk you run when you want to wait for the big fish and we'll see if waiting was worth it or not. It's going to be really interesting to say the least, but Kawhi Leonard watch is still on and we'll see where he decides to go. Um, so much other free agent news. That's really just the big stuff. But um, like Nikola Vucevic, uh, all-star center for the Magic, he re-signed. Uh, Clay Thompson re-signed with the Warriors. That was expected, I think. Um, the Indiana Pacers improved a lot. Um, they completed a sign-and-trade with the Bucks for Malcolm Brogdon. Um so they're bringing him in. Victor Oladipo is going to be back. Um, I think the Pacers are actually going to be a team to watch out for next year when you have Brogdon, Oladipo, Miles Turner. They're going to be a really nice team next year, and I think they're going to be the most improved team in the East. And they're going to be quite possibly, depending on Kawhi Leonard's situation, the best team in the East. And that was a massive thunderclap. Um but yeah, um, I think the Pacers are going to be really good. They're really exciting. A lot of exciting teams next year are going to have the Pelicans, the Pacers, uh, the Hawks are going to be really exciting. Um, I'm just really, really stoked for next season. Um, the Utah Jazz got a lot better because they traded for Mike Conley. They signed Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, they're going to be rolling out a lineup of Mike Conley at the one, uh, Spider Mitchell at the two. Um, you're going to have Bogdanovich at the three, Joe Ingles at the four, and Rudy Gobert at the five because they're going to have to let go of Derek Favors. That's going to be one of the best teams in the West, and I think they're going to be a team to look out for next year. Um, as one of the top teams in the West. I think they're a better lineup on paper than teams like the Nuggets. Um, maybe the Lakers, if they don't get Kawhi. Uh, the Warriors, um, with them kind of being depleted. I think that's a very balanced... Uh, it's not necessarily got... The bet the most talented players and the best players, but I think it's extremely balanced, and that's the most balanced starting five, probably, maybe in the West. 
Um, it's certainly one of the most balanced teams. Um, but it's going to be an amazing basketball season next year. And we just wait for Kawhi Leonard to decide what he wants to do because he can potentially have a just make a seismic shift in the NBA and shift the balance of power. Um, it, it would kind of be like Thanos versus the Avengers. Uh, it would be incredible, to say the least. Um, and I'm really, really excited. Uh, there was actually like an earthquake in Los Angeles yesterday. Um, and a lot of people were like, that must mean that Kawhi made his decision and he's going to, L- to LA. But which LA team is it? Like, stuff like that, which is, that would be very ironic if that's the case, if he does join one of the LA teams. But we wait for Kawhi Leonard. Will he flee the North? Or is he still going to be saying we the North? Um, it'll be interesting. Um, but enough basketball talk because we've talked talk so much basketball. Um, the next major tournament in tennis, tennis is going on, Wimbledon, probably the most prestigious event in professional tennis and quite possibly one of the most prestigious events in sports. Um, check out my video on YouTube uh, about Wimbledon. But anyways, uh, that's my favorite tennis tournament of the year. Um, it's just with so much history behind it, the heritage. Um it's thunderstorming right now in Ohio, in case you can't tell. Um, but anyways, favorites for the tournament. Um, Djokovic won it last year, so he's obviously going to be up there. He's hasn't really struggled at all. I think he's only dropped one set in the whole tournament. Uh, same with Rafa Nadal. He made it to the semifinals last year. Uh, Roger Federer, eight-time champ, lost in the quarters last year in a five-setter. He's looked really good so far. Uh, on the women's side, Naomi Osaka, the number one player in the world, she got knocked out. Venus Williams got knocked out first round by a 15-year-old, um, which is incredible. And that 15-year-old just won another match today. Um, so potentially a Cinderella player who could rise at the top at a very young age. Um, I remember last year in Wimbledon, like eight of the world's best uh, 10 players, women's tennis players, uh, they all got knocked out within the first couple of rounds. Um, and that's kind of similar to how it started this year, like with Naomi Osaka being out. Venus Williams is a top 20 player. Um, I don't know her exact ranking, but talent-wise, she's just really good at her, her age. She's 39. Um, I think the favorites... Probably on the men's side, you're obviously looking at Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. um, Three of the game's greatest players ever. Um, Women's side, I know, uh, not Wozniacki, but Angelique Kerber won it last year. So obviously she's going to be defending the title. She's going to be the favorite coming in. Uh, Simona Halep. Uh, she's been playing really well as of right now. I'm not a huge fan of her, but um, Caroline Wozniacki was knocked out. Um, 
But I do think Angelique Kerber is the favorite right now. Um, looking at some matches for tomorrow, Kvitova, uh, yeah, Petra Kvitova is going to be playing. Belinda Benchich is going to be playing. Uh, Ashley Barty, she's actually the number one seed for the tournament, so she actually may be the number one player in the world. Um, she just she's coming off of a French Open victory, so that's going to be my favorite going into this. Uh, Serena Williams is going to be playing tomorrow as well. Sloane Stevens versus Johanna Conta. Jam-packed women's singles tomorrow in the third in the third round, starting at 6 a.m. with the Kvitova match. Um, Serena Serena Williams, I don't think is ever going to win another major. I think just with the time she took off with her baby, I think it's it's hurt her. She's not as her mobility has significantly decreased. She's not great. She's a power player. She's not a uh, finesse player, so she's not great with the serve and volley playing up at the net. Um, so she struggles in that aspect of the game. I just don't think she moves as well as she used to, and that's hurt her over the last couple of years um, through no fault of her own, really. Um, having a child is tough, and it's tough on the body. Plus, she's she's aging as well. She's in her mid-30s, um, but she's still a great player and in any tournament she's in, she's never going to be counted out. Um, but unfortunately, I just I'm not sure if she's she's going to compete really well for majors. But I don't I'm not sure if she's ever going to get back to the top. It's kind of like Roger Federer four years ago, where he had several injuries, hadn't won a major in a. I shouldn't have said four years ago, but it, there was a four year span a couple years ago where Roger didn't win a major. I don't think he had gotten to the finals in any majors. And then all of a sudden he explodes in 2017 with two majors, a major in 2018, and we'll see what he's got here in 2019. But it's kind of a similar situation now for Serena, and we'll see if she can get back over the hump. Um, Coco Goff is the 15-year-old who is lighting up the world right now. She's won two matches in a row. I'm excited to see where she goes in the tournament. Um... So right now she's going to be my pick to win it just because a 15-year-old winning Wimbledon would be unprecedented. And she should arguably be in the the, the juniors tournament. Um, but she's really talented and on a roll right now. Um, but legitimate picks, Ashley Barty's my number one pick right now. I think she's the best player in women's, women's tennis. And then on the men's side... Uh, it's the big three, Rafa, Novak, and, and Raj. So definitely looking forward to day three action. If we're looking at the men's singles for day three action, uh, third round action, I should say, uh, we'll have Sam Query and John Millman. Those are two quality players. Kenny Shikori is going to be playing. Um, Fabio Fonini, Rafa, Rafa Nadal is playing Joe Wilfred Songa. Uh, Federer plays Pui. So, definitely going to be some good action. And then after tomorrow, play resumes on Monday. We'll have a couple days off. Um, we'll have the week, we'll have Sunday off. And then Djokovic will be playing in the round of 16 on Monday. So, exciting stuff for Wimbledon. Definitely looking forward to 
that action because it's just it's my favorite tournament in professional tennis. It's probably my favorite thing to watch in sports um, all year. Um, so yeah, that's really really exciting. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, I wanted to touch on something really quick. Um, this will be the uh, last little discussion here before the end of the episode. Um, Colin Kaepernick in the news again for some protest matters. Not necessarily him protesting, but um, I guess um, Nike had a shoe uh, with an American flag on it, but it was an older style American flag with 13 stars on it for the 13 colonies. And it was uh, it was on a shoe and Colin Kaepernick wanted Nike to pull it because that was a flag that was used in a time when slavery was legal. Um, and so he asked Nike to pull it, and they did. And there's a lot of controversy surrounding that right now. Uh, I'm not saying I'm necessarily behind what... like I am behind what Colin Kaepernick is doing. He's standing up for the rights of all individuals. He's protesting against police brutality. I understand that and I'm all for that because I do think police brutality is a real thing in America, uh, all across America too, not in just certain areas. I think it happens way more than it's publicized. Um, and the ones that do get publicized are absolutely disgusting. Um, and so I'm behind Colin Kaepernick on that matter. I think taking a knee there are other ways to do it, but I think that is the way that you kind of have to do it because in order for a protest to be a protest, in order for change to occur, things have to be uncomfortable, and that's a very uncomfortable thing to do is to take a knee, and it kind of gets everybody all riled up. Um, so that's why I'm all for the knee because if you if all you do is just say something about it, nobody's going to really listen to you. You have to kind of do something... Um, out of the outside the box, out of uh, out of the ordinary, and you've got to get people's attention. And I don't see it as a sign of disrespect. Uh, it's not disrespecting veterans or things like that. It's it's just standing up for a cause. Um, I'm kind of getting away from my point here, but I do think asking them to pull a shoe, uh, I think that's a little too far. Again, I understand the purpose behind it, but the, the flag doesn't stand for slavery. It stands for America, uh, in its early years, uh, in its earliest times. And I, to have them pull, a, pull a, a shoe because of a flag that was used during a time slavery was legal to me that I guess there is correlation because it's America and slavery linked together, but it's just a flag, man. Like, at the end of the day, it's just a flag. It didn't represent slavery. It represents it represents freedom. Um, that's where I think it's going too far, and that's where I think it's crossing the line, and that's where I think that... It's not necessarily more than protest, but it's just kind of a dumb way to, to go about it. Um, I think just doing what he's doing now is fine, but to kind of say that a, 
a shoe is representing slavery when it's really not what it's intended to represent. Um, I don't know. Politics, it's... Political debates like this are probably things I shouldn't be talking about on a sports podcast as a young college kid. Um, A lot of people may think I'm an ignorant college kid who thinks he knows everything, which I don't. I don't know everything, but I just love to talk about sports, love to share my thoughts with you guys, love to engage you guys, and just, if you think I'm wrong about everything that I talk about, that's perfectly fine. I want you to argue with me. I want to have discussions. Um, I want to, I want to provoke you to think about things in ways that you had never thought about it with my sports takes. And yes, I guess I'm, uh, this is sports related. So I'm, I kind of have to talk about it because it's being covered a lot. Um, so I can't really ignore that because it's so prevalent in today's landscape with sports and politics. So politics are going to get sprinkled in every now and then. I don't like to talk about politics. You probably don't like to hear about politics, but that's just the nature of the world we live in. Um, but anyways, that's it for me. Uh, going to be following Kawhi, following the rest of free agency because there's some other free agents that still haven't come off the board yet. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'll have a video up on YouTube here within the next day or two. And getting really excited because once all this free agency stuff wraps up, we're going to be getting back into football. I'm really excited. Some of the early fantasy football uh, rankings are coming out, the the ratings for different positions. I'm really excited to talk about that. Maybe give you a little insight on what I want to do with my draft um, once more information comes out and once more pre-draft rankings come out. Um, I'll give you a little insight inside my brain. See what you want to do with your picks. Um, I... I did an episode way back where I talked about my strategy for fantasy football. I'm going to do that again here in the coming months um, because we got football coming up, man. It's, it's exciting. I'm loving it. Um, follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Follow me on SoundCloud. Uh, follow my Facebook page at the Will Ford Show. And we'll see you guys in episode 75. We're three quarters of the way to 100. It's WFS. WFS.